Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. So let's get right into this and let's answer some questions for y'all. Okay. So Kevin's question is about overtraining and the need for recovery of uh, body, soul, and spirit. So this is an awesome question and an awesome topic because um, I actually had a conversation with a client, literally a, a new client who just signed up. I had a conversation with them. I think it was yesterday and they sent me their update and they they said that they were training more days than what I had prescribed in their training program. And I obviously like love that that drive and that initiative. That's a positive character trait to have. But I also understand that, for example, my workouts are no joke and I balance recovery as part of the equation when I'm writing a program for somebody. So I had a conversation with her about like, hey, if you know, if you're going to do more, I love doing more, go for it, but do something relaxing, like go for a walk and take the dog out and like that kind of stuff or, you know, hell, do some cleaning around the house or something like that. But don't expect to run one of my programs, at least the program that she's on six days per week uh, that early in the stage of the program because my biggest concern for her was her ability to recover right it's a really good question kevin because overtraining is absolutely a thing and the way that overtraining can have a negative effect on your fitness goals is like it checks all the boxes regardless of what your fitness goals are right So say, for example, if your primary goal, especially if your primary goal is building muscle and you're training extremely hard, you shouldn't really be training, in my opinion. Obviously, not everything's with a blanket statement, but you probably shouldn't be training, I would say, a total of four hours per week if your primary goal is building muscle because you need to have the ability to recover, okay? And if you're training hard, then four hours a week is probably going to be plenty, now, I have a program, Anabolic Anatomy, that's six days per week training, but the workouts are very short. Why? Because the primary focus of that program is to build muscle. And if I had people training six days per week, an hour plus sessions every single time that they would train, they wouldn't build muscle. It just, it just wouldn't happen. They wouldn't recover enough from their workouts. Also, when it comes to losing body fat, like if you're not building muscle, if overtraining negatively affects your ability to build muscle, and lean tissue on your frame and muscle increases your metabolism, then overtraining, uh, stress hormones aside, is going to limit your ability to lose body fat because you're overlooking an extremely important factor, which is increasing your metabolic rate by building muscle, right? But then also when it comes to training for fat loss, Everything that we do physically creates a demand on our central nervous system, right? So we have central nervous system fatigue and systemic fatigue. And everything that we do in the gym contributes to that. And we all have stressful, busy lives. Well, if we're overtraining and we're sending way too much stress signal to the body, our body's constantly in a state of fatigue and stress with no ability to recover and repair and your your stress hormone cortisol will be through the roof and it'll limit your ability 
to actually lose body fat aside from the impacts of having not added lean tissue to your frame as you work throughout say like a 12-week program right so it's absolutely crucial and it's an extremely really good relevant point that kevin is making and i also know why kevin's making it because i did a post the other day about how i was feeling pretty burnt out kevin's my man he's got my back i can read between the lines bro so i also want to like dig into this a little bit more as well right it's one thing to say that it's it's crucial to recover physically and spiritually and mentally from the things that are going on in our lives. It's another thing to know when, right? Because it's a fine line between being a half-ass, pardon my French, um, who doesn't do enough, and then somebody who's doing too much. Like, there's a fine line to that, right? So here are some things to consider if you want to know if you're overtraining, okay? So say, for example, you're doing a lot of work and you're in a calorie deficit. You're not losing body fat. You're not losing any weight. You're holding your weight. You feel exhausted. You're not sleeping extremely well. You're extremely irritable. That's probably a sign that you're overtraining and you need to kind of pull some things back, right? You know, if, say, for example, like, I don't know, you're a 200 pound male and like you've got your calories because people do this at times you get your power calories at like 17 1600 and like 1500 calories as a 200 pound male and you're going to the gym and you're doing all the things and it's like but you're not losing any weight like it probably doesn't mean that you need to eat less food it probably means that you probably actually need to eat more food and you probably need to do less to get to your goals okay that's where anabolic hormones and steroids can come into play where, you know, someone who's using those can actually recover better from their workouts physically, allowing for things like overtraining to be overlooked, right? Uh, I know full well of, I've seen it in the past. Let's let me just put it that way. I've seen it in the past where I see what somebody is doing and I see what's happening. And I know the only reason that they're able to recover from the punishment that is being sorted out on them and taken out on them is because clearly that person's on anabolics and anabolics has improved their ability to recover. But for the rest of us who don't want to have these superhuman levels of testosterone and things in our body we need to be a little bit more intelligent and be able to recover from our workouts right and then that that's another thing to kind of consider as well is like unless you eat live and sleep the gym why go into the gym and do more than you need to do to get to your goals like why why like we have families we have pets we have work we have social commitments like you should literally be looking at doing the least amount of work possible to get the desired outcome available and if you're doing the least amount possible to get the desired outcome available then you're probably recovering from it right and also what that does is it'll leave you room to progress over time because you started out in a way where you didn't do too much too fast and you had the ability to slightly increase buttons or dials that you'll turn in order to be successful. So the biggest thing to turn around and think about is that is, is like overtraining is a thing. 
And an indication to know that you're overtraining is going to be, how are you sleeping? Are you extremely irritable? Are you getting weaker in the gym at your lifts? And are you in what's supposed to be a calorie deficit and you're tracking your food well and you're still not losing body fat? Then you're probably overtraining, okay? Now, what do you do about that? I'm a big fan in deload weeks, which means like you don't take time off the gym because some of us have a hard time getting back to the gym when we take time off. But I lower the intensity of my workouts. So I like to train really, really hard. So instead of going all the way to absolute failure and beyond on a lot of my exercise selections, I just do like half-ass workouts for a week or two and allow for my recovery to get back in place. And then I ramp up and I ramp up the intensity of my workouts. And then when I feel like I'm overtraining a little bit, I pull back on the intensity of my workouts and I ramp up and I pull back. I do this specifically in my programming with my clients. But for myself, I do it more intuitively. And if you're listening to this and you're not a client, then you need to have the ability to think intuitively and understand that, like, I feel like I'm overtraining based on the things Tom said to look out for. I'm going to still go to the gym. Maybe I'm not going to go to the gym six days a week. Maybe I'm going to go four days a week for a couple of weeks. My workouts aren't going to be as intense. And then I'm going to ramp up the intensity again over time. It's called deloading. Okay, so Nick... Nick's asked, what's the most effective way to put on 10 to 15 pounds of lean muscle mass without looking bulky? Does diet or training have the bigger effect? Yes. So I'm just kind of joking around a little bit, but uh, I actually love this question because I actually did a poll last week on my story about talking about this exact thing, but I just didn't word it like this. I talked about the effects of sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. So... I've taken some flack in the past for talking about how I believe that men can put on more muscle in a short period of time and say the period of a year than what some people believe. And the reason why is perhaps because I classify hypertrophy as hypertrophy. Context wise, there's two types of hypertrophy, which is increase in muscle mass okay so hypertrophy is the increase in lean muscle mass there's two types of hypertrophy there's myofibular hypertrophy which is you're growing in muscle mass because you're actually increasing the size of the tissue on your frame right you're actually like laying down muscle mass tissue Okay. I mean, it might sound gross in the way that I explain it, but it's like you're putting beef jerky on your biceps, right? Like beef jerky is dehydrated muscle tissue. You're putting more of that tissue on your body. And then there's there's, there's sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is your muscle's ability to retain carbohydrates as a source of energy to increase the size of the muscle. So the best way, in my opinion, to put on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in a short period of time is kind of like a two-part concept, okay? So the first thing that you need to do is you need to get serious about getting lean. And I mean like getting super lean. Like you should have 
like abs lean. Okay. So we're talking best case scenario, fastest way to put on as much muscle mass as possible. Get as lean as you possibly can. So say for example, I do photo shoots. I'm going to get super lean. I'm going to get photo shoot diced. Now I'm going to leverage sarcoplasmic hypertrophy post cut. Okay. So I'll cut down for 12 weeks and I'll get extremely diced. Sounds weird talking like this because I just don't talk about myself like this, but I'll get extremely diced and I'll get ripped and I'll get shredded. And then when that photo shoot is over, I strategically highly increase my daily intake of carbohydrates. And I've done this with multiple clients. I've done this with three clients now. So we leverage the fact that when you get extremely lean, your body gets into a state where it views what just happened to you by getting so lean, photo shoot lean, bodybuilder lean, etc. In my opinion, and the easiest way to explain it in layman's terms is your body views what just took place as a threat to your survival. Because let's get real, getting photo shoot lean and getting like bodybuilding lean is like you're starving, right? You're starving yourself. So your body views the fact that you were starving yourself to get so ultra diced as a threat to your survival. So now what happens is when you leverage that signal of threat, your body super compensates. And when you strategically increase the rate of carbohydrate intake, specifically within a six-week period post-cut, you will literally blow up. You will blow up easy 10 to 15 pounds without losing sight of your abs. Okay. Now, obviously, it depends on how big you are as an individual. I just did a cut with a client of mine, AJ. He looked awesome at the end of it. Uh, we were 12 weeks together and then he finished up our time working together by only working with me for the 12 weeks because he felt he had everything he needed to be successful. He finished at like 215 pounds, I think it was, or something like that. And um, I think I could quite easily put 20 pounds on him without losing sight of his abs. And I did the same thing with my client, Jeff. Jeff was 215 pounds. We got him down 230 pounds ish, got him down to 215 pounds and then brought him back up over 230 pounds in, I think a four month period of time after his cut. Now I view that as putting on lean muscle mass. Okay. Like, well, I don't put it as putting on lean muscle. I put it as lean muscle mass per se. I put it on, I view that as putting on lean muscle because at the end of the day, your muscles are bigger. They're sitting tighter against your skin. You haven't lost sight of your six pack and you're up 20 pounds. So I've had some haters talk shit about like me saying that you can do this and pardon my French. I'm going to curse here. If you're up 20 pounds and you haven't lost sight of your abs. You're just as lean as you were 20 pounds previous when you were down that 20 pounds. So you haven't lost sight of your abs. You're up 20 pounds. You're just as lean as you were before you started your bulk and your rebound. 
who gives a flying fuck if it's actual muscle tissue or sarcoplasmic growth? Who cares? You still look 20 pounds heavier and you still have all this muscle mass and your muscles are bigger and fuller and rounder and you still have abs and you still have definition. Who get, who cares if it's actual muscle tissue or if it's sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which is the stored carbohydrates within the muscle as a source of energy because you sent a signal of threat by getting extremely lean and then you rebounded out of that and improved your muscle's ability and your body's ability to store that carbohydrate in the muscle. That's the best way to put on 15 pounds of lean size in short order through sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Like 1000% it is. And I think you could hear me kind of getting like ramped up about it a little bit because I've had, I've had literally haters who are telling me like, you're full of it and you can't do this and blah, 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 blah. So context wise. Okay. My, my client, Jeff, he was over 200 pounds. We put on, I can't, don't quote me off the numbers, but it was close to 20 pounds. Another client of mine, over 200 pounds. We put on 30 pounds without losing sight of his abs, but he was a big lad. He was like a 220 pound lad after he got super diced and shredded. Me personally, I get down to say like, if I'm 175 between 185 and my photo shoots, if I'm 175, I can rebound up to 190 and still look really clean. So I can put on 10 to 15 pounds, but it's based upon your anatomy and how much muscle size you have. So say for example, as you've seen, there's a sliding scale based on how big you are and how much muscle mass you have as to how much tish, how much weight you can put on in a short period of time. So obviously, like men are able to do this at a much faster rate than women because women generally have less muscle tissue than men and at higher body fat percentages because they carry children and they do all these things, right? So it's relative to how big you are and how much muscle mass you have on your frame, but you can 1000% do this. And anyone who tells you you can't just doesn't know how that's the best way to do it. I wanted to do a whole podcast episode on that. I'm going to keep rolling. I'm going to keep going. The other thing that you're thinking about, you got to think about and understand when you do this is you have to cycle your calories when you do this, because you it's it just sucks eating that many carbohydrates day after day after day after day. So I personally like to have like medium days. The way it was taught to me by my first coach ever was low, medium, and high carbohydrates. But the way I like to do it with my clients is I have medium caloric intake days and a high caloric intake day and a cheat meal day. And then sometimes I'll put it so that they have medium caloric intake days and too high caloric intake days. And it's okay to leverage sugary carbohydrates when doing this. Okay. Sour patch kids are awesome. I put on 11 pounds of muscle from photo shoot to photo shoot in 11 months while I suffered a neck injury that atrophied the entire right side of my upper body, my lap, my bicep, my shoulder, my tricep, everything was disappearing. So I would have put on more muscle than that over the course of a year had that not happened. Sugary carbohydrates need to be leveraged at the right times. And they'll be leveraged at times when you're working big muscle groups. Leg days, 
and back days are the best time to leverage high carbohydrate days. And I'm talking extremely high carbohydrate days and sugary sources of carbohydrates. Okay. Sour Patch Kids, fruit juices. Um, you could have cereal as a source, but honestly, like, it's just like cereals kind of rough to eat a lot of on a, throughout an entire day because like it just trashes your mouth right you're just like yeah this is gonna be awesome i'm gonna eat all the cereal all day and then you're just like i feel like i've been chewing on hand grenades because it's the, the upper portion of your mouth and your lips are all just beat up from the cereal so what i personally like to do the simplest way to do it is to leverage like fruit juices for it or like applesauce um but I just leverage candy because candy's bomb. I leverage Sour Patch Kids. Um, um, uh, what are they called? Gummy bears, like those kinds of things. That's what I like to leverage for it. And then you could also leverage like, like um, white bread sources as well. So you get super lean. You leverage a lot of carbohydrates post getting super, super lean. You have, you cycle your cal carbohydrates. So you have, you have higher carbohydrate days and they're timed around big muscle groups. When you deplete a lot of the glycogen within your body and you can soak it all up. Uh, and then obviously you do weekly check-ins and you monitor the progress slowly so that you don't get fluffy in the process. Like I should literally do a whole podcast episode just on this topic. Cause I think as you can tell, like I get fired up about talking about it. <laughs> I think it's the coolest shit ever. Okay, so next question is for Brooke. Brooke is always confused as to whether she should do more cardio or just lift head heavier and whether hit cardio is good or just simply walking more and getting more steps. Okay, awesome, awesome question. Awesome question. Brooke's question is in regards to should you lift more? Should you do more cardio? Should you do hit cardio? Should you just increase your step counts? So this comes down to what we talked about a little bit earlier in the in in this in in this particular training is that you need to manage your recovery. So having a big transformation is a balancing act. It's balancing sleep. It's balancing steps. It's balancing workouts. It's balancing cardio. It's balancing car, um, caloric intake. All these things, stress levels. All these things. Okay. What we need to do is balance all these factors in the equation so that we're not doing too much or too little of all of those things that balance the equation of a big transformation. So when it comes to cardio, if, and this is if, because everything is based on like context, okay? So if you have enough time to leverage step count without doing cardio or a lot of cardio, I would leverage step count before cardio. I would still do a little tiny bit of cardio, but I would leverage step count as much as I possibly can before I would shift into higher rates of cardio. Okay. Why? I talked about it a little bit earlier in the training. Everything that we do creates systemic central nervous system fatigue. Okay. So there's a 
stimulus to fatigue ratio. Okay. So what we do physically creates a stimulus on the body to create an adaptation of change. And everything we do physically creates a level of fatigue on the body. We want to balance those things out. Okay. Especially if we're wanting to grow, we want to do, we want to create stimulus. We want high stimulus, low levels of fatigue. Why? Low levels of fatigue means that we have an ability to recover and recovery is important. So step count is extremely effective for burning calories and the stimulus. So the stimulus and the effectiveness for burning calories is quite high compared to the fatigue it creates on the body is quite low. So it's an amazing tool to leverage. Now, obviously it's a time sensitive matter. Okay. So I tried, cause you might not be able to leverage all your steps that you need to, to lose body fat without doing a higher pace of cardio. So I leverage step count as much as I possibly can. I am a big believer in both hit and steady state cardio. I'm a big believer in hit cardio often at the beginning stages of a program. If weights are lighter in that program and that program leads to heavier weights over time because hit creates a high level of systemic fatigue while also burning a high amount of calories. Okay. And if you're lifting extremely heavy, then the heavy weights creating a high level of fatigue and the hit creating a high level of fatigue starts making it so that you're not recovering and fighting an uphill battle. So when weights are often lighter in the beginning of a program, because we progress the difficulty of our programs over time, I like to use hit quite often. Depending on how heavy that program gets, I'll either leave hit in the equation the entire time or I'll switch it to steady state as we get deeper into the program. Why? Because as we get deeper into the program, your training, your weightlifting training is creating more systemic fatigue and it's extremely effective. So I want to leverage that more than cardio to answer the other portion of the question. Um, I want to make my workouts as hard as possible that I can recover from. And if I can train harder because I'm lowering the fatigue that's created from my cardio by using steady state and not hit anymore, then I would rather do that than keep hit in the equation and not be able to train as hard because the overall systemic fatigue from the two things is too high to recover. So I want to increase the difficulty of my workouts as much as I can over time, balance that fatigue. And if I have to leverage less intense cardio to do it, then I absolutely will because I want my workouts to be as intense as possible. Does that make sense? Like, I think it was a roundabout way of answering that question, but I want to make sure that it makes sense. Right. Cause I feel like I checked all the boxes. Like, should we do cardio or just lift heavier? I'm all for progressively lifting heavier over time until the end of a program when you then pull back and lift lighter because you will have created systemic fatigue from lifting so heavy. And if you've, you're look at your, if you want to look at an analogy, look at your 
body like it's a car and if you drove a car with the pedal to the floor everywhere you went you would crash it so don't crash your body you have to give your you have to give more and less gas at specific times to manage your recovery but i always like to progressively lift heavier over time as opposed to add cardio hit cardio i will leverage with steady state cardio based upon how a client is recovering and how heavy the weights are that they're lifting. So it's not just how heavy it is that they're lifting, but if my client is making kick-ass progress throughout the entire program, I might not ever change their cardio from hit to steady state if they're not like an overly strong individual. So for example, a 115 pound female doing barbell back squats is going to create a different level of systemic fatigue than a 200 pound male doing 315 pound back squats, even though they're of similar difficulty, there's more spinal compression. So therefore the bigger, stronger man is creating more systemic fatigue than the smaller woman. And the smaller woman might have an ability to keep hit cardio in the program the entire time while the stronger man needs to switch to steady state. So it's an, it depends, but these are factors to consider. And then when it comes to walking, walking is literally something that people are sleeping on and you should leverage your step count as much as you possibly can, as much as you possibly can, because it's a high effectiveness with a low level of fatigue that's created for it. All right, everybody. So appreciate everybody for asking the questions this week. And I just want to say, Have a happy Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this after the fact on the podcast, happy belated Valentine's Day. I hope you had the best Valentine's Day ever. Um, If you want help with your fitness goals and you want somebody who takes a really like high level of approach of looking at all the factors to make sure that you have the most efficient, effective transformation possible in the shortest amount of time. Shoot me a message that just says coaching. You can hit me up on Instagram at Tom, the trainer fitness, or you can message me on Facebook at Tom trainer, and we'll see if you're a good fit for the team. So I hope everybody has the best day ever. And thanks so much for all your questions. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at TomTheTrainerFitness.